Welcome again to the Anesthesia Compass podcast. This is Mike Dobson. We return today without apology to a subject that I think is of critical importance, infrastructure. Second only to a supply of clean water is a good electricity supply. It can provide you with light, it can provide you with oxygen, if you're lucky, it can even keep the air conditioning on. But a good supply of electricity is not something you can take for granted. Our guest this week has worked in many low and middle income countries, advising and fitting dependable and affordable electrical supplies. He's Bill Wright of PowerQuest Worldwide, and he's speaking to us today from his home in North Carolina. Bill, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the Anesthesia Compass podcast. Hello, this is uh, Bill Wright. I'm glad to be with you, Dr. Dobson, and look forward to this time of talking about electrical power throughout the world. Thanks, Bill. We've spoken to one another quite a lot in the past, although quite a long time ago. Um, but I came across your name when I was in Zambia. Uh, and uh, like most people uh, who visited low or low middle income countries, uh, I was made aware that the erratic uh, electricity supply there can be a problem. Why, why is it? What's, what's the problem with electricity? There's, there's a whole list of things, but I'm going to try to boil it down uh, to something that's a little bit more manageable. Just like in the, the Western world, we've had increased electrical demand. We have more electronics. We have uh, more sophisticated electronics now, which is good. These, these are really good things. We have computers. We have all kinds of sensors. We have all kinds of cell phones and tablets. and uh, But in the hospital world, uh, the hospital has become a little bit more power hungry also. Uh, we have uh, more sophisticated patient monitoring systems. We have increased uh, digital imaging equipment. And before, a lot of the older biomedical equipment was not as vulnerable to electrical misbehavior in events by the national utilities. Now they are. And the tolerances of the new devices are much tighter than they were years ago. So the increased electrical demand, the increased amount of sophisticated electronics, which I think is, is absolutely wonderful for patient care, has, has caused us to be more aware of erratic uh, electrical supply. Now what's causing this er erratic electrical supply is uh, because of the increased demand, countries have not been able to keep up with that demand. New generating equipment, new controls for those uh, pieces of equipment, upgrades to old equipment to make them more efficient, uh, is, is just not there. The biggest one is maintenance. Maintenance of the electrical distribution system. Uh, a lot of these distribution systems are out in rural areas that are susceptible to tree growth, to vandalism, to just deterioration over time. And 
they just don't have the manpower and the funding to take care of these systems and keep them up and running. The other one is a little bit more political and I'm, I'm gonna kind of leave this one, but climate change has affected the electrical supply, especially in Sub-Sahara Africa, because we have installed hydroelectric plants in several countries and now their water is drying up. They're, they're seeing more erratic uh, climate variations all the way from flooding to extended droughts. But overall, we're, we're seeing the water supply for hydroelectricity uh, decreasing. For instance, over in West Africa, most of the power is generated by large hydro plants in uh, Ghana on the Nile River. And they're they're having problems. They're having problems with their water supply. Now, a, a new new one that has just come up is over in Ethiopia, this new hydroelectric dam that uh, is going to affect the Blue Nile, which affects um, Egypt, Sudan, and quite a few countries and their water supply. So there's some political things going on that have caused these uh, problems with the national utilities. And there's also climate change. So uh, I think I'll stay away from those two issues because I think those are obvious to everybody that those do affect things. My impression from what you've just said is that you, you, don't, you don't see things getting in, term, in supply terms dramatically better uh, in the next year or two. So a lot of the stuff that you do that we need to talk about is really how to defend equipment and hospitals against this extra stress that they're coming under. Do you th is, is that a fair statement? Things are expected to get worse rather than better? I believe so. Now, this is, a, this is Bill Wright speaking. Uh, I've uh, traveled to quite a few countries uh, in Africa, uh, some in Papua New Guinea, very few in Asia, actually, and some in South America, Central America. Let me give you a, a play the play the tape back just a little bit, if I can use that term. Back in the mid 2000s, uh, the Western governments, including Australia and Europe, oh dear, um, were giving a lot of money. Uh, there was a lot of infrastructure product uh, projects in Africa and some of these countries. Uh, China, there was a lot of infrastructure by China. So in the mid 2000s, a lot of these projects were brought online and they were working. There was, there was uh, uh, more power for Zambia, for instance. Uh, there was, it was great. And for quite a number of years, it uh, worked very well. And then in about 2008 and 2009, United States ran into a bit of an economic bubble and the economy went into sort of a recession for a period of time. And so as a response to that, foreign giving uh, was scaled back. And a lot of this foreign aid and so forth went to uh, these infrastructure products, projects. And so that, that kind of rolled back. It never really got started again. 
And I was just talking to a, a friend of mine who's an electrical engineer in the UK, actually, he's up in Scotland, said that, um, that even UK is rolling back now some of its foreign aid to take care of pandemic response in the country. I think that's a fair statement. I, he didn't give me any numbers, uh, but he just said that that's rolling back. And I sense that same thing is going to happen or has already happened in the United States. Um, I believe Australia is under some strains um, and other European countries are under strain. So this is gonna further the cutback of funding for these countries for quote, what we would say relief. And relief is everything from the electrical supply to water supply, et cetera. So all that to say, the, that was a long answer to a very short question is that I think that we're going to see further uh, cutbacks and further reliability and viability of the national utilities in a lot of these places, just because of that. Yeah, um, that's a, a fascinating insight into the sort of national and international situation. Can I, can I just come along a bit further to the, the end user? Um, because for a number of years, I was giving people advice that almost certainly is wrong. Um, I would say to uh, anesthetists, well, uh, you won't find a surgeon who can operate without the light on. And so if there's a light, you'll have electricity. And if you have electricity, you don't have a problem. You can run your oxygen concentrator, you can run your monitors. Uh, and uh, uh, if the power goes off, you won't be doing operations. But, and, and it's obvious that, that hospitals and hospital activities are, are severely affected when there is a power cut. But are there other ways that equipment can be affected even when the power seems to stay on? Uh, maybe if the quality of electricity is not, electricity is not so good. And, and what, are the, what are the factors in quality of electricity that anaesthetists need to know about? A lot of these things are, are not something that you could see visually, uh, but they do, affect the, they do affect the devices. Probably, well, I shouldn't say the worst. There, there's two of them that are particularly bad. The first one is a sag. In other words, the voltage drops. Now it could be for, a sag is defined for more than so many milliseconds of time. But what happens in a sag is that motors, such things as what's inside of an oxygen concentrator, when the voltage goes down, the amount of current, the amount of current that flows into it goes way up because of the physics of what's going on. That shortens the life of that motor. So consistent low voltage causes the current in those motors to go up and shortens their life. And it's basically due to heat because of, in an oxygen concentrator specifically, because that's what an anesthesiologist would see or an oxygen machine, these motors must compress the air in order for the oxygen concentrator system to work. And so they, they're under a load, they're under physical load all the time. And so as the voltage drops, the load stays the same, 
And in order to make up that difference, the current goes up, causing heat and the motor to deteriorate. The other one is, is equally as bad, but it, for a different reason, is what we call a swell. And that's when the voltage goes up above normal tolerances. And you think, wouldn't that be great to have more voltage? Well, it is to a point. Electronics, in it specifically, cannot tolerate too much voltage. It damages the transistors and the electronics inside of it. So swells are the things that cause the electronics to fail. Sags are the thing that cause motors and transformers and, and other devices like that to fail. So you've got both ends of the spectrum that you know, you're trying to work within this tolerance and both of these things are happening. And I have seen entire rooms of electrical devices, uh, specifically it happened at Papua New Guinea, get wiped out in a flash. I mean, literal flash when the voltage soared to, uh, you know, like 25% above what it's supposed to. And, and this does happen because these utilities are, are not able to control this. And so those two things, these are long-term things uh, affect the equipment. Um, the next one is such things as lightning uh, in a lot of the uh, Sub-Saharan countries are specifically very vulnerable to lightning strikes. And the power lines in those countries do not have protection against lightning. It's too expensive, right? You have to put lightning arresters and overhead lines and all this protection on the system. So the lightning hits the line and induces a, a waveform and ends up in your equipment. If you don't have protection, if, if there's no protection, it just propagates right through the system and boom, there's your anesthesia machine that looks like a piece of charcoal. And <laughs> believe me, this happens and I've seen it. So these are called transients. They're very fast, high energy waveforms. The other thing that, that is happening in Africa is that the generating sources are so far away from where the electricity is used. For instance, in, in Zambia, the hydroelectric plants are in Mali. And so you have these enormous power lines, which are wonderful things, but they're susceptible to lightning and they're susceptible to voltage fluctuation. So what they'll do is in order to prop up the voltage, the utility will insert what we call capacitors to try to prop the voltage up on the end of a long line. Every time they do that, it's like me taking my hand and slapping you across the face to a piece of electrical equipment. I don't know how else to put it. After a while, you get really annoyed getting slapped in the face, you know, and it just doesn't help this equipment. And these utilities are doing this undiscriminately and it is causing problems with factory equipment and of course, all sorts of medical equipment. The other one I saw in Togo, which was really an interesting one, 
was that the hospital, it was in Southern Togo in a data, uh, just a small community. The, <laughs> the power line had a transformer and then the transformer went into the hospital, but the local fab medical or metal fab shop was also hooked to that same transformer. And every time the guy started arc welding, all the equipment in the hospital stopped because of all of the crud uh, electrically that an arc welder produces. And so this is another thing is that hospitals don't have what we call unique or solo uh, sourcing. It's, it's the whole community, right? And so the fab shop and the bicycle repair shop and the bakery all affect the power supply for the hospital causing all these waveform distortions. And like I said, every time the guy hit an arc, the patient monitors turned off in the operating room. <laughs> so uh, all of these things contribute are all what we call power quality issues. We got sags, we got swells, we have transients and waveform distortion. And unfortunately, all medical equipment is very susceptible and vulnerable to all of these things. Are there individual bits of kit that are more at risk? I, I always sort of feel protected with something like my computer because there's some kind of power adapter on the wall, which I assume is, is reducing whatever enormous voltages there might be coming down the wall to the little wire that goes in the back of my computer, which presumably doesn't have mains voltage in it. Um, is, is there any protection in that or am I just fooling myself? No, there's definitely protection. If you have an uninterruptible power source or a voltage regulator, uh, transient voltage surge suppression uh, in front of your piece of equipment. The problem here, Dr. Dobson, that I have seen is in order to produce these devices and make them cost effective, in other words, cheap, they have used components in even these devices that are not very tolerant. I'll give you, for instance, we had a, a digital x-ray unit. I won't mention the manufacturer because they're no longer in the United States anyway that the power supply, like you were saying, the power supply worked great. And then we had one of these utility events that wiped out the power supply. So we put in a new power supply and it never worked again. And it's because they had to substitute components from China and other places that weren't made as well. So what I'm finding out is these inexpensive devices that you can find on uh, from the Asian, I'll just say Asian market, are even less tolerant of utility misbehavior than something that's a little bit more expensive, a little bit better made, a little bit more tolerant, better components, etc. But as you and I both know, is if you have a an ultrasound machine and you can buy this ultrasound machine for let's say $5,000 from our Asian partners and the best one that they could buy from Fuji, Konica, uh, Sonocyte, et cetera, is $10,000. Guess which one is gonna show up at the hospital? 
but that that device that they just purchased is less tolerant to these utility events and becomes a throwaway. Can I just ask you to clarify because I uh, let's assume I, I go into the operating room and there's a bit of electrical equipment and then there's some kind of a box uh, which might be called a stabilizer or it might be called a regulator or it might be called a UPS or something else I don't recognize. How do I work out what actually this thing is and what it's supposed to do? Well, you know, the most obvious one, I, I hate to say this, is just pick it up. How heavy is it? Because a true voltage regulator has a lot of copper in it. It's a transformer and, and we actually, when I was, I hate to say this, when I was in North Korea uh, with an organization helping out at a hospital, that's how I picked out the voltage regulator is I went down the line at the shop and I picked up various ones and I bought the heaviest one. <laughs> now that, that I realize that that's simplistic, but that would be my first guess is just look at the nameplate, make sure it's the right you know, the, the right tolerances, but pick it up, see how heavy it is. Shake it, see if there's anything loose inside. That's the sort you know? of test I can relate to. Thank you. <laughs> um, one, one other question I had, because a lot of hospitals uh, receive equipment donations. And I know uh, in Africa, there have been problems uh, with very generous donations, particularly from your hemisphere. Yes, that's correct. That likes to run on 60 hertz and, right. uh, and 110 volts. And so they stick a transformer in uh, and run it on that. And it doesn't do too well. Is there anything that can adapt 60 hertz equipment to 50? Well, can I go back to the previous? I, I, can I go back just of a course, second yeah. to the previous yeah. question? So let me explain what these boxes are. There, there are there's several different varieties of these boxes. So the, the biggest thing is pick them up, see if they're heavy. And the, the second is, is how expensive was the device? <laughs> uh, and the reason I say that is if, the, if it is truly a voltage regulating device, in other words, it'll take one voltage in and run through a transformer and give you a different voltage out, there's two or three different ways that that could be done. And they all have, and they get more expensive. So the cheapest ones, and you could tell by the Chinese name, well, I shouldn't say that, the Chinese nameplate, is that they do it in steps. So let's say your voltage is supposed to be 220 volts. So if the voltage sags to 210, it switches a relay inside and change the tap on the transformer to bring it back to 220. Every time you do that, that piece of equipment that's downstream of it is experiencing a surge. It's just, it's just annoying. So the more of these big steps that you have, and they're the least expensive units, the more annoyed your equipment is going to be. <laughs> and that's the least expensive ones. The medium ones use many multiple smaller steps, which is better. And then the most expensive ones are ones that continuously regulate the voltage. And those are by far the most expensive. So voltage regulators are not all the same. Look at the nameplate. And the other thing is you can listen to it. 
if you hear the thing clicking all the time, you know that it is just annoying your equipment all to pieces. It's just, it's just really hard because it's changing voltage levels constantly. So listen to it, pick it up, and read the nameplate. Those are the, the ones that you can do to try to figure out what this thing is. Now, the most expensive thing is the uninterruptible power supply because it has batteries in it. And there's several types of those. If I could just elaborate just a small bit on those because a lot of people are not knowing what they're buying. The least expensive ones are, let's say your voltage is supposed to be 220 volts and it sags to 200 or goes off. So this thing switches from mains input to inverter. In other words, it takes the battery voltage and makes the voltage. Now, the least expensive ones, instead of having a nice sine wave on the mains, it does a square wave because it actually switches transistors off and on. That is extremely hard on electronics and motors, but those are the least expensive ones. Now, as you go up in price and wait, and you can hear them, uh, they will approximate in steps a sine wave. That's called a modified sine wave. Those are a little bit better, still really annoying and detrimental to your equipment. And then the next step up is a pure sine wave. These guys are expensive, but they will provide the power that you need uh, for your equipment. Now, even with those, there's a couple of different varieties. And there's one called Line Interactive. And, and you'll read this in the specifications and, and your people can look at it and say, well, this one isn't a Line Interactive. What that means is it works with the mains within a tolerance to hold the voltage at the output steady. Instead of just switching on or off, in other words, mains on inverter, it will actually try to work with the thing, work with the mains and keep it all one voltage. Those are called line inactive. Again, you're adding more cost. And then the, the, the last one, which is the most expensive, is what they call a double conversion line interactive. So it's going to work with the power line, the mains, and the output is isolated from the input. So if the utility, the national utility misbehaves, it never shows up on the output. The output is a pure sine wave regulated to 200 volts, no matter what the input does. And that's called a double conversion line interactive. And these are expensive, but I use this type of UPS on all of our digital x-ray equipment and all of our, guess what? Anesthesia machines and patient monitors because we cannot afford as healthcare providers to miss, right? If those monitors go dead and the anesthesia machine goes dead, where does that leave you? Well, you got a bag and you can put a napkin on their lips to see if they're breathing, right? That's, that's not what we want as healthcare providers, but they're expensive. Yeah. I know that's, a, that's probably a little bit more information than you wanted, but I think that your audience are very intelligent people. They want to provide the best patient care that they can give, and they want their equipment to last because they want to do that next operation. They want to do that next case. 
and they want to do it successfully. Indeed. That is quite complex advice. Uh, and uh, however intelligent we anesthesiologists are, we certainly need the help of an expert. So uh, when we get to the end of the podcast, if it's okay with you, I'm going to take the liberty of giving out your contact details so that if people have a specific question of what should I do in this situation? Is this okay? They can maybe ask you, but is that okay? That is fine. And, and please ask them to give me grace in response because uh, I've got various things going on, but I will attempt to interact with them as best I can. But I think the information I gave is that they can make decisions um, on, they could look at the specifications, they can ask how much it costs, they can pick it up and feel it. There's things that they can do. And then if they have further questions on what's happened, uh, yes, then it's time for a consultation kind of situation on a specific need or other than that. Fine. Um, Bill, I think we're going to pause uh, here because uh, there's more stuff than, than uh, we can absorb into one podcast. Uh, so thank you very much for uh, what you've told us. And we will continue in a future podcast uh, and probably start then talking about uh, uh, hospital generators so you can give us a bit of basic information and uh, know-how on them. Well, I hope that like me, you learned something, in my case, a lot, from listening to Bill today. For more information, you can go to his website, which you'll find at powerquestworldwide.org. PowerQuest is all one word. His email address is also on the website if you want to ask a question. He has asked that if you email him as a result of this podcast, that you put podcast question as the subject of your email. I think he gets a lot of junk email and he doesn't want to miss your query. Next time, we'll hear more from Bill about generators, photovoltaic arrays, and what to look out for as an anaesthetist to evaluate and hopefully improve your hospital's electrical supply. But for now, from me, it's goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>